Hello there and welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm Sarah from Sarah Ferruya Coaching and this is the Legends Podcast. I believe there are many, many ways to lead a life and everybody has stories and I want to tell them and share them. These legends are a collection of people who I have found during my 20 years in Tokyo and before. All of them are brilliant people. And when I became bored with reading another billionaire's biography, I thought I want to tell the stories of the people who I meet who are absolutely fascinating, but you won't see on your regular podcast interview. They have overcome obstacles, both systemic and internal, and we cover all kinds of things from creativity, grief, racism, business, disaster, loss, trolling, infertility, farming, eating disorder, ecofeminism, and more. We have elite athletes, people who live on Zen temples in remote parts of Japan, BBC newscaster to Taekwondo champion. Please enjoy these amazing stories from what they've overcome, from what they've built, from what they've created, from the way that they talk. I'm just delighted thinking about it. So please get stuck in and enjoy this next legend. Hello, everybody, and welcome, welcome, welcome to this, the uh, fifth season of the Legends podcast with me, Sarah Faruya from Sarah Faruya Coaching. And this season is all about being very fucking creative. And today I am welcoming two of my dearest, dearest friends in Japan and uh, newly minted dear friends, by the way, (laughs) newly minted dear friends who are two of the most creative people in this creative partnership together who I've ever met. And I absolutely love the way they move through their lives and how they do it. And I believe there are many, many ways to lead a life and everybody has stories. And boy, oh boy, are we going to hear some stories today. I can't wait to get stuck into it. (laughs) How long have we known each other? I mean, it's newly minted. Maybe two years. Yeah, yeah. Just I think two years. The pandemic kicked in, maybe. Yeah, it was just before I moved house. Uh, two and a half years, I want to say now. So, because I, I can remember talking to you about moving down here, because of course you live a couple of stops away from me, which seems um, a couple of stops seems quite close. But we actually live out in the not in the sticks, but we don't live in in Tokyo. So a couple of stops is a two hour walk, basically. <laughs> but we actually met you. I mean, you were um, about to change to get ready to, to go into the big playpen. Do you remember? No. no, with the film here on the set of I Spoiled Identity. Oh, okay, so we're saying the name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's okay. You were getting into your, uh, like, Olivia Newton-John, like... Oh, that's theater, right. Theater. Oh, theater. Yes, and also in my role as Banana Flakes as well. Oh, it was so much fun dressing up. So we met in costume, I think, the first time. Yeah. I think the first time we met in costume on set, yes, and then this, where we really had a good chat. Okay, so I'm featuring in their film, Muchly um, Duncan and, and my previous guest, Yukiro, are the directors, writers and directors on this this incredible cult, soon-to-be cult classic. And, <laughs> and, and fun fact, before I get into your, uh, into your bios, is that I had to be this drunken teacher kind of thing, and they gave me this bottle of, like, stuff to swig and I thought it was filled with water but it wasn't it was filled with alcohol and I went <laughs> was it <laughs> while the camera was running and it was like oh. I would show you and I was like oh my god it was really really it was the middle of the day as well so I was a bit alarmed by 
Are you talking about the uh, the playground scene? Because you were brilliant in that. Um, I think I'm talking about the... the speech, the graduation scene. Oh, graduation yeah, graduation. scene, yeah. Have you seen it um, by the, um, in the playground where they come through the, the tunnel back into... Oh, that was recent. No, you, that was, was that recent. water or was that, was that alcohol? Water this time. Oh, yeah, because I was you were really gl- <laughs> you're glugging about it. Yeah, no, water this time. Like that, I had, I mean, by that point I had to commit and it would, I'd only just met you as well. So I was making sure I knew all my lines and was really yeah, doing yeah. my best. And I was like, yeah. oh, God, that's alcohol. So I didn't want to make a fuss. And I just kind of kept swigging it. By which, <laughs> after three swigs, I didn't care anymore. Right? I don't even like shoju. <laughs> I, I think you're brilliant. I think you're going to be, I mean, really brilliant in it, actually. Oh, really, really oh yeah. But I edited the speech. It's great. Oh, God. I mean, yeah, it was so much fun. I really, really super enjoyed that. So I want to get into my first question before I give you your rock star bios. So my first question is, tell me a story that's had some kind of influence or impact on you, either a, either a story about the two of you or a story from fiction or something. Tell me a story. Everybody has stories. Well, I was thinking about this and, and um, we kind of had a real push to our creative projects about I would say like about 12, 10 or 12 years ago, it basically kind of three, three things mm-hmm. really fed into that. And uh, one was we went to Berlin and um, we had, you know, most fantastic like summer in Berlin. Amazing. You know, we stayed, just stayed in an Airbnb and we just had a, just had a wonderful time. And, you know, like we, we just totally fell in love with the city. You know, we, we were dancing, you're going to discos and like, you know, just going to museums in the day and just walking around. And it was just absolutely gorgeous. And it just seemed like a very exciting, vibrant, kind of unjudgmental place. And a kind of like not so, not as fashiony in a sense as like yeah. London or New York or, you know, LA. More inclusive. Uh, more well. inclusive, more inclusive. Genuinely inclusive, as yeah. in like. Go into a bar and you're like, like a you know, middle-aged straight couple next to like two young gay blokes, you know, piercings and beards, snogging each other next to. And, I mean, literally, the kind of mix you wouldn't get anywhere else. Yeah, not yeah, in Japan, yeah. It, it was really liberating. Not, not a not in Japan, no, <laughs> no, 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 very different, very different. So that was one thing, and then another thing was um, at that time I was sort of looking for something new to do, and I was thinking about various kinds of dance, and in the end, I settled on buto, buto going to Buto workshop and I'd always been interested in Buto but I um I decided to go to the Kazuono workshop in Hodogaya uh, near in Yokohama say who it is because it not he really yeah basically is, um but... well for Buto is a kind of post-war um Japanese contemporary dance and artistic movement and there are two main figureheads one is Kazuono and one is uh, Hijikata and they evolved this incredible kind of grotesque, beautiful, morbid. spiritual, morbid, revolting, repulsive, you know, beautiful, incredible um, kind of thing. And um, it was just very great because I met all kinds of very interesting people there and who encouraged me to pursue, do whatever I wanted to do in terms you know, creatively. And then at the same time, and also just one thing um, was that Kazuo no, basically did his first public performance when he was 43. And at that time, I was kind of pushing 40. And so I was like, you know, this was very liberating. It was quite liberating. It was like... You yeah, very, very much. Be, 
beautiful and 20 and blah, 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 blah. You know, you can, you can be, you know, you're an old hag. Well, darling, here's to being a bunch of old hags yeah. together, but fabulous, gorgeous <laughs> ones. <laughs> so, um, and constant rebirth. Yes. Anyway. I think Duncan came alive at that point when he started going to this shops and then when Ooh. he started doing uh, performances I mean he, he'd been in a kind of I don't know cocoon or like a chrysalis stage of not really not being fully realised we had like a decade of being a bit flat yeah. to be honest before the internet started and before all these yeah. things happened before your blog started we were in a kind of just a, a flat state I would say we're still doing creative things we're still having yeah. you know, organising dance parties and I was I was doing piano recitals and, but it wasn't we had we hadn't quite found no. what we were looking for. Um, the was, the was taking over too much, and it was just like so. Those, those were two things. But there was one more thing, um, which was important, um, which happened at the same time, um, and that was um, I don't know if you remember. At that time, there was this sort of dance ban in Tokyo. Yes, did you know? I do. Yeah, it was yeah, crazy. Yeah. We couldn't believe and it. It was so like, odd. It was Very... like fascism had come back. It really, it I mean, a kind of awful thing. It was almost like they were promoting um, out of town casinos, and then but then trying to sort of cut down and impose a kind of authority on places where there's live houses and discos and stuff like that and so there was a kind of like a dance ban which was really bizarre so basically um i got involved with this anti-dance ban group and through that i met you know a very uh, great friend who um is tatiana lee mm-hmm. who's the drag queen Tatiana lee and the, basically who at that time was just setting up the um closet ball in tokyo yes. um which was a, a, a drag oh, yes we were at the, the first one. Yeah, we? we were at the first yeah. one. We were there from the very first one. I love that idea. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's like a drab and burlesque and performance art cabaret. And he absolutely very open. It wasn't just drag queens. It was, it was obviously a lot of drag queens, but it was anything you wanted. Was really. that one where you were naked? Pretty much. <laughs> not yeah, right, not yeah, pretty yeah. much. No, I mean... That 1920s realist one. Yeah, well, I'd always wow. wanted to do the um, uh, dance, dance of the naked. Seven Veils Backwards. And um, I thought, <laughs> and I thought, this is my chance. This is my chance. So, um, so, so basically, and we both had this. It. We both found, you know, so many great friends who have since become such good friends of ours, like you know, Yukiro, Skip, Skip. I mean, so many different people we we discovered at that point. And so the, these three things really like gave us this push. Just get out there and do it, and stop yeah. faffing around. Really, you know. Mm. It was almost like we were dead before, in a way. In a kind of way. Not, I, think, not, I mean, I think you know, we were, um, not really, but kind of. I, f- I feel like everything's happened in the last, like, Things years. blossomed a lot, I think. I think mm. in, I was, I was, in those years, yeah. When you say it was dead, um, Neil, what do you mean? That, that's kind of during your 30s. I yeah. also found my 30s a bit odd. I turned 30 and I, I felt very much like, what? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> what? Mm. And then it turned 40 and I was like, yes! Yes. Oh, we're yeah. basically born 40. That's what happened. Yeah. <laughs> Not yeah. for everyone, unfortunately. I think, I think yes. if, if you're lucky, it can happen. Or if you find the right impetus. I think so some people do start to go downhill, but for us so far, it's been more uphill, which is really, really nice. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But you started your blog. Yeah. And the Berlin trip. Mm. The Berlin trip was one catalyst because it was like, you know, we can't just live in, a, we're not made for suburban boredom. We're just not, and we're not, made for just getting a job and coming home and going to bed we're just not we need to do something more much more like the word crazy is getting boring but 
Yeah, I know. Generative or making things or yeah. mm-hmm. making things or doing things or producing something. And when I say producing, yeah. I mean absolutely. And actually getting out there, think, actually putting yeah. it out there. That's the yeah. key thing, isn't it? Because I think, you know, especially expressing something. Expressing something. Yeah, I love it. I, I can see that you're very, very carefully uh, trying to avoid any cliche, which I, I absolutely love. <laughs> But I also love a good cliche as well. So <laughs> no, because sometimes I actually like, sometimes I actually enjoy playing the suburban housewife. It's almost like one of my roles. Oh, yeah. That's what I feel like. I'm not a housewife, but I, I, I enjoy just standing and chopping the vegetables. And I feel a certain, <laughs> there's a certain, yes. it's calming. Actually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and having the dinner ready when my husband gets home I because he has such a long commute. <laughs> Even though I've been working all day too, I don't know. I find it quite... Uh, yeah, it's like role play, but not like not role play like Cosmopolitan magazine kind of role play. <laughs> <laughs> that's one. Cliche, that's one cliche I really can't do personally. I mean, I, we've been to these sort of like events, S and N thing. Right? There's nothing less sexy. Than oh, okay. Then a leather, a leather, leather outfit. Like, no. Not your bag at all. <laughs> not for me, no, because it's it's too con- like too preconceived and like cliche. Like you said, it's like. Uh, it's not kinky enough. Real kink is something more like weird and personal. I think Ooh. not. You know, not made in a factory. Yeah. Like, and mass produced. I don't know. So it's not a white, clean, naughty nurse's uniform for you. Oh yeah. Okay. So we'll come on to this because we're kind of we're kind of veering into your drag persona a little. So I would like to just take a break now and just quickly do your rock star bios because. I would like people to know a little bit about who you are. So we've got Neil Chapman here, who's a writer, the black narcissist blogger and author of Perfume in Search of Your Signature Sense. Ta-da! <laughs> One of my favourite books, Look, I've Marked It Up. I love it so much. I've bought it for clients. I've bought it for people for their birthdays. I hope you're getting some money from this as well. <laughs> you can tell me the best place to, and I will also be uh, doing a giveaway after this as well. So um, if somebody comments on this, on this podcast or makes that's a good question. I'll be giving one away. Not this one because it's got all my. I've got the Chinese uh, version if you need it. Oh, wow. Cool. <laughs> that came out like last, uh, last year, didn't it? Congratulations. Yes. So, the author of Perfume in Search of Your Signature sent a witty and idiosyncratic introduction and guide to the world of perfume that has been translated into Italian and Chinese. Thank you for that amazing scene. <laughs> Segway. <laughs> also known as Burning Bush, the elusive drag cabaret creature who legendarily cursed the night that never forgave. <laughs> that's used to the book. Yes, that's right. Dihum, Dihum, delicate delinquent known for his peculiar sensibilities and shape-shifting videography and art performances, combining Butoh and burlesque with black comedy and grand guignol. (laughs) His work has appeared in drag cabaret and online video channels, Yokohama Theatre, Department H and Performance Istanbul, and been featured in Elena Knox's 2020 Yokohama Triennial Prawn Porn. (laughs) he also manifests as leon charm a bio king when the mood takes love that all this terminology we may have to get into but i'm not that interested 
people can Google it. <laughs> he is currently working on a grotesque comedy movie with Yukiro Dravarius and a motley bunch of performers. How dare you? From the Tokyo <laughs> drag, fetish, art, poetry, and music scenes. Oh, and suburban housewife scene. <laughs> Thank you. So that is my amazing guests today. So <laughs> uh, the, uh, probably the best bio. All the bios are fantastic, but I love these so much. It's just so, and I want to say as well, like the things that the notes I was making as I was preparing for this, I was thinking about this book. I mean, you really must buy this book because the way that Neil writes or read his book, Black Nar- uh, blog, Black Narcissist, is the way Neil and Duncan both talk and write it's like something from a bygone age. It's like Shelley or, or Jane Austen or something. It's just so beautiful. And there's all these gorgeous, charming old words that don't get used very often anymore in there. And it, it harkens back to, I mean, I hope you aren't offended by this comparison as well, but I was thinking of kind of like the age of Nikki Haslam and the interior decorator. And you, we, we were talking about Quentin Crisp off camera earlier. And I know uh, but perhaps that that's a little bit on the nose, but um <laughs> but that happened. The great athletes, I like it. I'm happy with that. It's gorgeous, yeah. florid language that you use to describe things. I just absolutely love it. And I, as I say, I've got this book marked up to the hills. And so I just wanted to quickly do a, a, a quick reading of one of them. Here we go. I've chosen a shorty. <laughs> some of them are quite long, yeah. Some of them are really long, and I love those as well. But I don't think anybody wants to listen to me doing that now. But this is this this book is so exquisite. I think is the right word for it. Really I hate that I've got. I hate that I've got think post it notes all over it. But I've got an, I've got another version that's not got post it notes all over it as well. So look at these gorgeous illustrations as well. If oh my god, I'm sorry. If you're listening to this, you really must go and have a look at this on Amazon or on Neil's website and have a little look at the uh, preview. It's the most beautiful book, Art Deco kind of thing on the front. So I think it's Art Deco. Is that right? Yes, because actually, because uh, the original design that they were trying, it was kind of like a slightly um, David and Goliath type situation where where I was the the David and the publishing house was the Goliath. And there was a lot of battling going on. And I wasn't having this pastel yellow pink nonsense. I wanted something stark. Yes. Also, my mum had a a perfume bottle like that, or has a perfume bottle like that. And I just really wanted... Mm -hmm to kind of surprise my parents by sending it in the mail and then getting this book, which is based on, you know, 1920s art deck, which they love. And so I kind of, me and the uh, designers came up with, it, with that as a kind of, not compromise, but we, I thought we agreed on eventually. And I, I'm glad you like that cover. I, I'm all of it. I love all of it. I love the way it's laid out. I love the way you've got the graphic of each bottle in here. Like, cause it's like, um, you know, I, I, this is a really odd comparison, but like The Simpsons um, was, was drawn so that you could instantly see their silhouette. And I think that this perfect, like this Panhaligans bottle here, I mean, it's so instantly recognisable to me. But what I love there um, is the, the fact that you weren't willing to compromise, which so many people would do if they were kind of pushing back. So that kind of... You've no idea. No, I'm... You know. <laughs> Oh, sweetheart, I'm on executive committees and things like that. I know what it's like to try and push back to people who have more perceived power than you. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it takes a lot of energy, a lot of resource and a lot of resolve. And I really admire you for that because this is absolutely exquisite. And you're absolutely right. If it was this kind of pastely pinky thing, it just wouldn't be the same. And in the original version, the bottles took most of the page. And my what I was writing was meant to be condensed down. They were going to 
cut it down by about 70%. And I had to fight to keep the, the that, balance. that balance of word. And, this amount of words. I wanted in. pictures, and that was a, one of the stipulations. But I, the fact you love some small bottles is great. Cause love it. Yeah, because that kind of... I was thinking, Almost like a bullet point. Yeah. An annotation or a bit of punctuation um, rather than being this kind of, I can understand why they want to do that. But this is something I find about both of you and especially you, Neil, is this uncompromising way of being in the world. It's uncompromising. And and I think that that makes you irresistible. It can make me difficult as well. And a bit. <laughs> yeah, it makes you an arsehole as well. But uh, who cares? <laughs> I'd rather be an authentic arsehole than a fawning you know <laughs> acceptable and, person you know after it came out the the editor and the main bigwig she sent uh, a card through didn't she which was like a, basically it was a gold card and it had the words fierce on it and i thought well in the end she must have thought i was you know i was right because she was really pleased and i was really pleased with it so that was like a sort of way of saying yeah. you know we forgive you in a way because i love that yeah i've kept that as a sort of memento you yeah. know it's worth fighting for it because uh it comes up the way you want it to. So. Yeah, yeah. Love that. And, you know, um, there's always a chain of command in these things, right? So even if that person sitting between you and the person above them in the publishing uh, world wants what you have, they have to then push back to the person above them or side by side to them. And everybody's just wants their bonus at the end of the day, right? But you want your creative integrity. So by you pushing them, by them being able to say the author refuses, it allows them to be more creative and more authentic and in, in integrity and genuine as well. Does that make sense? Yeah, because that, that's a good way of putting it. Because I didn't, you know, I'm not putting my name on a load of crap. So, yeah. <laughs> that, I mean, I'm sure that, it would never have been a load of crap. But so let, me, let, let me read this because I just love it. So this is Jacinth Jonquil. Yeah, Jonquil, yeah. Okay, Jacinth Jonquil by Prosody. Only by smelling the natural jonquil absolute, which is at the heart of this organic perfume, do we see how heady, almost dizzying these hypnotic flowers, narcissist, jasmine and hyacinth in combination can be. With a note reminiscent of the jonquil extract used in vintage Voldemort, Jacinth jonquil is a bold, sensuous, contemporary floral with a putrescent twist <laughs> so I mean that's yeah. just like 10 lines yeah. <laughs> you're already feeling sick <laughs> yeah no, it's that's enough fantastic. for today can I say something like um, and you know sure. advent calendars I used to love advent calendars as a kid you know you used to open one little one little advent calendar thing on, on the day and it's like yeah. chocolate inside I wanted it to be like Something that you read on the toilet, or, or you know, just like where you got five, you know. Yes. Just like, when you read like yes. one little bit like that, and it's oh, that'll do for today. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry because I I read this in like two sittings, and I am the slowest of all the readers. You I was stop. entranced. No, that, that is bulimia. That is like. Yes, I yes that that that's yeah. It's actually ADHD, but hey. <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted it to be intoxicating. So if, if it is like that, then I'm... Could, oh, I'm oh, for me, absolutely. And I mean, even I've even annotated it here because it was so evocative for me. So here, what I've got a post-it note here next to Boudoir by Vivienne Westwood is, I owned it via Teresa. So my friend came to Japan and then she just goes, I don't want to carry this back with me. You have it. 
I mean, I'm a big fan of Vivienne Westwood as well and her clothes and stuff like that. But then what have I written here? It says like um, boudoir is a powdery orange blossom strumpet of the very highest order. And I've got a post-it over here with trumpet <laughs> written on it because that's what I want to use more. I just, and it is, it's a, oops, it's a strumpety, strumpety uh, scent. So anyway, I love this book so much. Like, I, I, I mean, please let me honor you with that in fact i'm gonna i'm gonna order a rush of them you've made my day honestly this makes me really really happy mm. oh god you've got to be kidding me it's it's so 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 good were you one of the editors of this like were you one of the readers the pre-readers duncan of this book oh yeah yeah absolutely yeah i mean yeah. we we had the one summer where we were literally it was like a full-time job neil would be right we get up we work sometimes from like nine in the morning to one at night just and all day, all day. Yeah. and you know Neil would be writing reviews. I'd be reading them as they were coming off, and you know suggesting edits and blah 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 blah. So that was a very Don't intense. This book would not summer. happen without you. It would not happen. Oh yes, yes. No, no, no. He was like quite strict. Take this out because we had to get rid of like three hundred thousand. No, how much? Oh, uh, like, no, thirty thousand um, words. We knocked it down to one hundred twenty thousand words. Didn't no, we? still, we're the same editor yeah. as Snoop Dogg and, and Mary. Is it Mary Bell? Is it? Oh yeah, yeah. So um, like. So this this one woman like edited like Snoop Dogg's book. I think it's Snoop Dogg. Uh, we had he's put out his cookbook. Um, you know his um, as you do uh, under the he's the same publisher. Same publisher. Never the same editor. Oh, was the same yeah, editor? Literally, oh, she edited both, and yeah. she fortunately was pretty understanding. I mean, she sort of. I was fighting over you know a semicolon here and a, a colon there because I'm quite sort of. Yeah, because it's rhythmic. The way you write is rhythmic. So you can imagine somebody yeah. reading it. Like, I feel like it needs to be read out loud. And I'm sure I did read it out loud. Like, the word strumpet begs to be said, right? Yes, yes, yes. Well, Neil is like that. I mean, he's, very, he's quite musical about sentences. So he says, oh, no, it needs another syllable. It needs another. I know, like, he quickly yeah, I, I can recognize where. And yeah, because he writes a very long, I mean, obviously short as well, but mainly quite long sentences. I mean, yes. one sentence um, could be two pages in my... Which is kind of against the grain of contemporary style. Yes, everything has know. to be like sentence, sentence, mm. sentence, sentence. And I, I like to rebel against that and do it my own way. I love that so much. It's so anti-zeitgeist. Yeah. <laughs> or like yeah, yeah. So yeah. antipathetic to everything about social media and everything, which I think that we all use quite well. I love it just to kind of show things and well, keep a, in yeah. touch. We're all quite active on it, yeah. aren't we? But yeah. like that sense that it's like, no, you've got to be able to get it into a square yeah. and it's got to be a snappy yeah. something or other. It's like, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. yeah so honestly, you, you're just mm. seeing what it is and I'm really happy because we've never actually talked about this before in, in person. You've been no. saving it for this date, maybe. We've, you've never... You'd probably hate it. <laughs> no, I'm really happy because I see, well, I see can... myself as, as being this kind of like slightly sort of... I can't really say poetic, but I kind of, kind of am poetic. I think. Oh, yes, 100%. It is poetic, uh, yes. That isn't fashionable in a way, but I don't care. So I, I want it to be beautiful and something which kind of... Um, takes you into a different zone slightly. So, so you can just be away from sordid reality and be in this mm-hmm. slightly, I wouldn't say fairy tale, like like a slightly liminal yeah. space beyond yeah. the, the sort of humdrum bus stop kind of way of living. Like it's meant to be like, a, you know, going into like a, a grove of bluebells by a stream and just like letting your sort of, your mind float into this more beautiful space, which is like, you know, an escape from all of that. That was my idea anyway. And they, they liked it, so that's that's why they saw me. Executed perfectly, and I love this this idea of sordid reality and this liminal space that one lives in. I mean, 
I have to literally pull myself back into out of that liminal space in order to not be in jail, pay my bills, pay my rent, get my Oh yes, yes. But that's why you're so happy and so positive. I okay. <laughs> not all the time, but yes. No, no, no. no, no, but, no. but you're you're basically basically one hundred percent positive and you you're about positive. To some degree, but my therapist will tell you different stories. <laughs> we'll have dark sides and our personal things but but what you present to the world is it's absolutely right that's my like yes and there's also of course the shadow side that all of us have but I think I would say that I live my life and as you do as well my life exists outside the bell curve basically so that you know the bell curve being like the average kind of stuff happening in the middle there and I have to kind of force myself in there in order to live a daily life which I'm sure you do with your day jobs which we are not going to touch on today or I do when I'm sitting around the kind of the committee table of a, you know, name of something or other. I can open my window at night, look at the moon setting behind that and be be transported into what you just described here, this liminal space, but also kind of fantas- live in a fantasy in the sordid reality as well. But I have a really, really dark side, exceptionally dark side. But I think that's what makes it interesting. What do you think burning bushes and seeing in? I mean, we we live in that grotesque space, and I think of course you do. <laughs> what we do, the the, uh, the the performance side is goes more into the dark dark side. Isn't it? It's it's almost like you can get rid of the where you can kind of express it. It's a, like a sort of dark catharsis by performing these things. I mean, burning bushes mm-hmm. is a kind of horror creature. Most of his things are pretty un-Disney, wouldn't you say? Well, this. <laughs> Let let me repeat back to you what uh, how Duncan described things. It's grotesque, beautiful, spiritual, morbid, incredible, beautiful. I mean, that's all of it, right? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just um, you know about um, uh, Buto. I was talking about Buto. Right? Yeah. So it was like um, you know something. It was quite li- it's liberating. I mean, I've always been into the grotesque anyway, but it was just good to have a, a kind of medium where any anybody at any age could. It's a kind of dance bit of art as well, but anybody at any age can start it. You know, can start when you're eighty. It doesn't matter. You know, it's not like traditional dance where you you know you're yes. like finished by the time you're thirty type of thing. And in the sense that it, it values decay or um, very much as part of, of part part of the process kind of thing. And of course, I mean, Casano was famously um, still performing when he was 102 in a wheelchair. Really? Yeah, I mean, I think he passed away around that time. <laughs> yeah, but he, you know, <laughs> um, he, but he, I mean, he was and very beautiful. I mean, very mm. extraordinary, really. I mean, visually extraordinary. And so was Hitchcatter as well. But yeah. Can I jump in as I always do? Yeah, sure. One thing about it, though, is, as is always the case, right? We quickly found that Booty had its limitations, as in, it has these yeah. kind of rules and like ways of doing things. And also, it yeah. was kind of, I think it was kind of part of, of that time, which isn't as relevant now. People are still, a lot of people are just, you're looking around with the white face paint on, doing going through the motions, and we both got bored. yeah got bored. To be honest, yeah, like Duncan yeah. wanted more than that. He wanted to take what, yes. he, what he liked from it, yeah. And then mm. he wasn't just going around, you know, being a, a boot before, which is fine. But you were sort of yeah, you, yeah. You took what you wanted and rejected what you didn't, didn't you? which is kind of very us in a way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it was right for that time. Yeah. It was a conduit, like an opening for you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. To to yeah. access yeah. more grotesque and decay and beauty beauty and spirit it sounds almost like a cliche doesn't it but you know when you you, you've been going through stuff and and you've always had the idols that you liked and the art you liked and the you know figures you liked. but then 
somehow it sort of really um, gave me a very interesting example of it being that you know of, of somebody performing in their old age and performing it was like being manifested more suddenly manifested much more you mean, and, and in in the figure of Kazuo in the figure of Kazuo and Hitchcatter as well Hitchcatter I mean they, they both passed away Hitchcatter was really interesting as well Kazuo was quite Catholic actually mm-hmm. and um, he had this um, fixation with the Virgin Mary he was we've all t- been there <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, it was really interesting because he was a teacher in a girls' private girls' school. But he used to do. He used to be bizarrely in his fifties. He would be the Virgin Mary in the Nativity play that and was performed. And at the, the school, school was fine with that. And the school was fine with it. Yeah. What um, kind of school is that? Yeah, what I mean, very. It's just really quite bizarre. It's quite interesting. Can I <laughs> yeah, say something? Kind of about, I mean, you're saying about the grotesque. You're not saying why the grotesque is interesting. Like, like, what is interesting about the grotesque in itself? Because I'm thinking, yeah. I'm thinking mm-hmm. that everyone has that kind of murky id in the, the subconscious, but most people are, are afraid to sort of show it anyway. Yeah, sort of filthing up their innards, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And sometimes just to get the poison out by like everyone pretending everything just it's nicey nicey is is living hell. And I think a lot of arms in this country, which is like, oh, yeah, serves it can drive you nuts, and so it, it can make you want to. Is the grotesque inherently interesting? Well, I mean, I think it is. In a way, it's sort of taboo in in many ways, isn't it? Because it's like what is taboo? grotesque. Because I mean, obviously, it's not like we're letting you know um, corpses rot on the street as flies devour them. You know, people obviously try to deal with death and by by dealing with you know dead bodies and stuff like that. You know, what I mean is like it's a, it's almost like a slightly forbidden. It, it's something which is a little bit taboo. You you don't want it's a sort of locus of shame and kind of like rot and and bad smell and you know stuff like that well it's so interesting you should say that because i made a note earlier about valuing decay and the interesting marriage of of what perfume means in that context as well is like perfume is like some of them are quite grotesque scents but like mostly it's about disguising so that connection will say to me but i also feel i feel like japan does honor that in a way because of wabi and because of the value that's placed on lichen covered, like it's not shiny porcelain kind of stuff. It's it's very much that decay is part of the beauty of stuff traditionally, not now, not the house that I live in, you know, or like newness, but that that kind of exists there. So there's two things in there, like the, the perfume element and also. I agree. I, I agree. And the best yeah. perfumes themselves, in my opinion. I mean, you mentioned Voldemort earlier on, which I just happened to be wearing today, actually. I don't know why. Shut up! I really, really, I put it on earlier on. The best perfumes, in my opinion, contain a bit of, I mean, it's absolute French, you know, a bit of melt. Needs to, a bit of shit needs to be in it, like a bit of rotting cheese. Like the, the balance between something a bit fungal and animalic and a bit dirty underneath everything, mixed beautifully with, like, other ingredients, can create, like, mm. a slightly more... Erotic edge, anyway, because things are just things that just smell of laundry musk. They can be that can be cute in its own way, but it's less. Um, mm-hmm. It's not as a like ambiguous or mysterious or enigmatic. Something which is it's got mm-hmm. multiple edges, like a real human being with a bit of dirt underneath. If it's, it's all put mm-hmm. together masterfully. It can be really like oh yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. a bit of dirt is quite good in a perfume. I, I think also I agree with you about Japan because I think Japan has obviously. You know, that's just sort of two sides. And when you think of Japan, you either think of like, you know, hypermodern, you know, blah, blah, blah. Or you think, you know, or there's obviously the other side, which is the Zen kind of side, you know. 
Um, but when you come, like when you come to Japan, like first time I came, I was struck by God. Actually, it's a lot more like almost seventies than you'd imagine, and it's buildings are often left yeah. to kind of slightly de- yeah. deteriorate, but even slightly deteriorate in, in their original fun- you know, in their original form. You see, whereas it, back in the UK, they would have been like painted up and done up and changed continually. You wouldn't really see that so much. So, I mean, I do think like the Shoten guy and the, which is, I, I you know, I love that kind of whole thing um, of the little Shoten guy shopping being streets, shopping street. the, the 70s yeah. covered in chopping streets, the, you know, all of that stuff it, it is still here. I mean, I think it will go. It won't be here forever, but I think like it's still here and it's still very fascinating. It's like going back in time, really. It's like going back to 50 years ago. It's really what I'm talking about, sorry to change it, I'm yeah. talking about the emotional veneer and pattern that you have, have in this country where everything has to be pleasant. Mm-hmm. I mean, in my workplace, in the schools I work for, it's almost like a, a written rule. You can't talk about politics. You can't talk about ah. sex, which is fair enough. You can't, ah. you can't mention anything. Basically, you can't be unpleasant and you have to be nice. All the time, which, which I think has a real value because it means that they, you know, they, yeah. I, I agree. They there's want to maintain harmony, harmony and yeah. no one's, there's no aggro. And even, you know, even people who hate each other are smiling at each other. It's all very nice. And, and there's less ego, I it's guess. It's great. That's, that's... But at the same time, Ooh. at the same time, it's, not, it's unnatural for a human being to maintain that, that, that all the time. And I think that's leads into having. And it's not maintained at home. And it's not maintained at home and it's not maintained behind closed doors. Like, so that's the, the, it's like the dance of the seven veils, right? You have like seven veils and then you pull one away for each intimate relationship that you have with people. Um, But death is still very present. The first time I ever saw a dead body was in Japan uh, when I went to the funeral of my, yeah, of my friend's wife who had um, sadly uh, taken her own life. And since then I've seen many and I've done the, funeral rituals i'm not sure if you're supposed to talk about them but anyway you know yes. the passing of the bones and things like that so it's very present in yes, intimate I life and i think this is something that japan gets right who knows what is good and what is bad but this is how i i like to always kind of go well, what's the reason for that i think when you've got that many people packed into the plains of japan surrounded by mountains or sea and lots and lots and lots of natural disasters, earthquakes, tsunamis, um, landslides, etc. There has to be some portioning out of your nervous system energy, mm-hmm. right? Just otherwise, you'd just be in in the grip of things constantly, in constant anxiety. So mm-hmm. if you've got this kind of set of rules in your workplace or on the train or when you're out and about with people who are sotto outside of your intimate group, then this is what we do. We do that. We have one face. We have a certain set of ways to talk about things, and that makes things much easier and more relaxing. So that that's the only way I can do. But then once you pull the veils back, veil by veil by veil, like you know, me and my husband are grotty together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. And that, and you know, he and his family are. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, when I'm there, I don't know what it's like when I'm not. But you know, when I'm there, there's a I'm an extra veil, right? Mm-hmm. But like when I'm not there, I'm sure that they're you know, cordial, but I, d- I have no idea. I wouldn't be able to say that. But yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. I get to say it. Dad farts in front of us, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 you know, they call mum and, uh, and dad call each other backer, stupid and stuff like that. And, yeah. You know, they get a bit yeah. gritty and grimy with each other. So yeah. I don't know. That's that's the way I kind of work through that. But it's present. I feel like that the rot is present Yeah, somehow. And again, I think I agree. We were talking about that the other day, exactly the same, maybe yesterday or the day before, about the the whole funeral thing about how to really do do that 
better in a way than oh, England. It's like a muck for you. Oh. 30, thirty minute number, just like in and out. Like Priest is looking at the watch. Who's next? I, I'm writing about it at the moment. Actually, it's yes, like Ellen Ellen Rigby, like, isn't it? I find it. Oh I, yes, yeah. I really do prefer. I agree. It's it's. it's I yeah. The body, there's, there's a, go on. The body's never left alone from from the very first moment. There's a wake from the you know, the second they did. There's, there's the Buddhist sutras going on. They kept company until the actual funeral, mm-hmm. and I feel like it's um, much more respectful to the person. It's more of a more of like a proper show, really. Like the person gets the you know gets the proper de- departing send yeah, Whereas yeah, in England, yeah. in the ones I've been to have just been mm-hmm. Church of England ones are really like just not mm-hmm. enough in my opinion. It's the priest yeah. rushing, like rushing, like literally. I saw a priest at my grand, one of my grandparents' funerals, like looking at. I could see, like, audibly speeding up, you know, to get to the end of it. And I was like, no, no, you know, I, you can see the next family waiting in the wings. It was just, no, I can't. I'm not getting any sort of sense of mm. closure or physical or spiritual sort of um, sanctity. Yeah, mm. it was just. So I, I think Japan did really well. But on a day-to-day basis, it cannot be denied that it's very like superficial in, in some ways. And I think yes, well, it is. I'm a pretty extreme person, and I have to. Ex- mm-hmm. I like intense emotions, so I think um, that helps with the like, performances and, and the writing because I kind of get it all out in mm-hmm. you know, in order to be able to, mm-hmm. to be able to stay sane in a very like you know nicey nicey situation. I have to have the other side. I just have to. Have it. That feeds into it. But it's like fuel to the fire, in a way. and I am burning bushes. It's like it. it <laughs> it can make me dark. It can make, make me more and more dark and terrifying. Yeah, it's like it's Wendy, Bush, Wendy Bush is scary. Yeah, she's yeah, she's something. Back to language, though. Just like what what was that French phrase you said about merde? Un peu de merde, s'il vous plaît. I think it's a, it's a, it was one of the famous perfumers. Might have been Edward Rooney. me dearest, I'm not sure, but I think it was like you know just a little bit of shit, just to sort of finish it off. Well, so they've really got it going on there because orgasms are also called le petit mort, like the little death, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they're really going right in there with the grotesque, yeah. isn't it amazing? What what happened to us English? I'm glad you two are holding up the uh, the kind of the 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 English side of this. The grot, <laughs> so, the grot, <laughs> the grot. I think perhaps by living over here, we're also able to be a bit. Yeah, I don't know. I'm sure we'd be exactly the same wherever we were. Um, but there you go. I mean, living here, able to be what? Sorry, a bit more. Grotty, I think. What the grot? A bit more. <laughs> yeah. We're allowed to push the boundaries out because we already live outside of yeah, the bell curve. Mm-hmm. We already live at the edge, the edges. But so a lot of the rules don't apply to us anyway. Yeah, we are. Mm-hmm. We've, 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 yeah. I mean, we've chosen that rule, that, that route, you know. Mm-hmm. But in a way, but then you become like um, disenfranchised. You know, we we can't vote in either country. We don't. We can't. Like, we're not entitled to anything. Which is which I. Strangely, don't mind for some reason. I find it slightly liberating. Well, it's just part of the it's, it's part of the bargain that we end. Yeah. It's part of yeah. the contract yeah. we're in by living in this country. I mean, you have to you can't have it all. Yeah, you can't have it all. That's like you know being a citizen here. It's interesting. So, just out of interest, like where did you guys grow up? And um, and then I want to come back to the closet ball and that whole kind of queer community and that also can set a little fire under the burning bush as well perhaps but just <laughs> interesting to know I'm interested to know a bit more about your your background where you grew up how you met how did you get into perfume how did you get into dance what did you study tell me a bit more about your background whatever that means to you well I, I'm from uh, Norwich and um, I lived just in yes. basically my house is in a village outside Norwich, and basically, if I go to the bottom of my road, if I turn right, it's suburbia. If I turn left, it's just fields and countryside. And, so I'm and right on the edge. Really old, I think. Church is beautiful. Church. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very um, 
it's a nice place to grow up in the sense that I could cycle into the countryside and I could easily find old buildings and churches and stuff like that. Constable vibe. Yeah, 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 a bit, yeah, yeah. You see, Suffolk is a little bit softer in terms of like slightly more rolling than Norfolk. Norfolk's quite harsh. It's quite flat and it's just like a big yeah. it's big sky and fields, you know. It's, um, it's not everybody's cup of tea. <laughs> uh, so I was a 70s boy. And um, it was like small. I I was, I was. I mean, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't like I was in a small bungalow um, with my my family. And I was always like looking for escape routes in the sense of reading books and, you know, cycling out, but going around by myself and stuff like that. But I did have like a nurturing environment because my next door neighbor was an artist. I used to do sketches and stuff and take it to her and she would, you know. That was really interesting. And then mm. I also had like, it was like, it was 70s. So my parents didn't have a telephone. So we, what? yeah, no, no, not until the 80s really. So we used to this. depend on like my next door neighbor so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we used to depend on my next door neighbor. Like, so they would go into her house, you know, to make on Sunday evening to make, to call family members and stuff like that. So no, we no. always called her Auntie Mary and Auntie Telephone. Yeah, yeah. we had all the aunties in the, <laughs> I'm Auntie Mary, by the oh, way. Oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm the auntie. I'm the auntie to all the kids. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. That like like yourselves, no children. So like, yeah, I'm I'm that <laughs> I'm that like that weirdo who rocks up. <laughs> Not weirdo, but you know the one who's like, yeah, come round and paint with yeah. me. Auntie yeah. <laughs> <And> Sarah. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So so yeah, I'm sorry. I think I was sort of very studious, and and um, at school, you know, um, I was sort of reading about history I like I loved history and art and art history and so I, I sort of went into that direction were you a bit of a square or a, or a boffin would you say I was a, quite a boffin yeah I was a boffin <laughs> love that word <laughs> and um, but you know I had, I had a nice little group of people who I'm still in touch with um you know on Facebook and stuff like that but um who were quite quite quirky yeah and so I had that and then sick form was obviously more liberating and then then I then I took a year out and then I went to university. Yeah, I studied literature. You popped off to Tanzania before during a uh, I was six months in Tanzania. Yeah. Um, so really teaching in high school in Tanzania and a Roman Catholic seminary as well, which was interesting. <laughs> I went very much in the I went very much in the um, art, art history, literature direction, really. That was my my thing. But at, at university I used to like to do um performance art as well. So I had a little my, my thing was the Speaking Pictures um society, which was like an exhibition of student artwork. And um, we also had like um, performances as well. My favorite, my favorite one was that? throwing meat at, at three naked, naked men in um, body paint, <laughs> blue, green, and white body paint, uh, and throwing. Wow. Of but I always got in a lot of trouble because um, it was also the yoga studio, <laughs> <laughs> and so people were like, you know, how, dare you, "How dare you bring meat into the yoga studio?" Oh God, yeah. Yeah, that was when I. Oh, anyway, Lady Gaga. I don't, I don't think he's actually talking. I don't feel you've actually introduced anything about yourself by saying that. Right. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm I don't think of, like... I think uh, he's being... I don't know. That's okay. You don't need to. I mean, this is all fascinating stuff to kind of trace a, a, a story, a history of somebody. Well, but I, I mean, I could also tell. I mean, my my mum is grandparents Greek Cypriot. And so they came to England in like just before the war, 1936, 1937. And so my mum grew up speaking Greek. And was born in England, but grew up speaking Greek. And so I have that aspect, mm-hmm. I have that side to, to me as well. Um, unfortunately, mm-hmm. I don't speak Greek, which is a great shame. I wish I, I wish I did. But so we always grew up with a lot of Greek food. Oh, wow. You know, stuffed 
vegetables <laughs> and kind of like, you know, it was a lot, a lot of Greek stuff. And, and of course, my grandparents always had Greek stuff as well. So I suppose I have that. I have that. Is it outside? Side, in a way, I guess. I think my mum was more of an outsider because she was growing up with Greek parents. How about you, Neil? Do you want to, uh, or you can interview uh, D- Duncan on the things he's not filled in for us if you want to. Just, but like, that was like a, like a literal biography, not, not like an actual, not saying anything about who he is. I thought, sorry, I'm being, no, I'm being okay. he'll get angry with me later. Please. Oh. <laughs> well, it's all good for me. I don't mind whatever, for me, whatever emerges, emerges. And the, what we, in, in systems coaching, we say the system will reveal itself. So whatever is revealed is what we three and the listeners need to hear. That's that's the way I think. I mean, my background is quite similar, uh, similar kind of like socioeconomic status, you know, like suburbia, and I'm from Birmingham, Solihull. It's quite different to Solihull and Birmingham. I mean, I say Birmingham because I think it sounds cooler than Solihull, which is kind of meant to be posher. I understand. I, I'm kind of happy you saying Birmingham. I don't know why. And then we met at, U- we met at university, so like 29 years ago. I saw him in the library. Together forever. <laughs> I, saw him, I saw him in the, in the university library, you know, because he was just in there, like, talking to people and having coffee. And I, I saw him from afar and thought, who is that weird skinhead over there? That's, you know, skinny skinhead. <laughs> You're actually a skinhead at that point. You got some, you know, yeah, yeah, pretty like much. Like Sinead yeah. O'Connor or something. So you guys met at university and... Uh... We actually met, as in talking for the first time, I think, at, at a ball, which sounds really posh but um it was like a you know because cambridge has these like end of term oh you were at cambridge university Mm. yeah the real real one not the poly (laughs) he was doing english literature and i was doing italian literature and and we met at a ball and we were like our female um dates for the evening but we kind of like madonna's vogue was playing at about four in the morning you know as the sun was coming up by this tent we both we were there like you know (laughs) striking the pose which is very very original of us but we kind of, that was like a sort of a, you know, a partner saying, no, no, not now, not now, you know. Yeah. You're with me tonight. But then we sort of seen each other. We ended up um, getting together. And the rest is history. And when did you move to Japan? Well, this is the thing you see, because I, I mean, you're saying about stories. I think my, my biggest story would be that even though we were already together, I, when I was 25, I was, I was not very happy in London. I just wanted to, I was really just, you know, to jack it all in. 24? 25. It was my point. I just didn't know what I was doing with my life at all. I mean, like... What were you doing? We were doing, like, temping and just... Yeah. Saving up money to do an English teaching. I mean, it wasn't really illustrious, considering, you know, which university we'd been to. And I, I was kind of... We were both in kind of black holes to some extent, I would say. Mm. Oh, yeah, I hear you. <laughs> I was really lost and depressed, and I didn't, didn't know what I was doing. And I just... Even though we were... You'd have together, pneumonia as well. Oh, well, this is the mist, like, guys. There's family yeah. stuff and just residual stuff from, you know... The, being in the closet for years and years and years, which is a, that's my sort of integral, the most important psychological mm-hmm. thing for me. I think being in a being in a tunnel of repression for ten years, mm-hmm. that I I have to express myself now. It's like once you're out of the box, you can't go back in again. You know? So like, this I have like never-ending stuff to talk about because person, you know, someone like me being pressed into a space they're not meant to be in is uh, quite damaging. Oh no, it's 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 awful it's going to come out of your lungs it's going yeah. to come out yeah. in muscle it's just, pain it's, it's, it's going to come out of your knees it's going to come out of yeah yeah but you know that's the price you pay but it's, it, mm-hmm. um, so anyway i just basically jacked everything in and told everyone i'm moving to japan i wasn't even interested in japan which is really <laughs> no it's really perverse no, no one could believe it you know i was studying italian and french and 
I just, I'm really sorry, mm. I'm going. So we sort of... Because that was one of the options, really. And then it was it was all like either Japan or Korea or Brazil or... For me. Poland, like the op- options. Oh, to do the ESL. Do the ESL thing, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I looked at Spain as well. Yes, yeah, yeah, so, so Spain. That would be nice. Yeah. But we kind of took a break and I came to Japan and mm, mm, mm. then... Eventually, Duncan came, and then it, we started to you know, build this new life, and it was fantastic, but it took a while to get there. So I think that kind of breach and everything, just like, my instincts told me, you have to get up here, it doesn't matter where it is, go there, and then see what happens. So I just followed my instincts. It was really like tearing in the fabric and just doing something very crazy in a way, mm-hmm. just to up and leave. But then we started to build our lives, and no, it's great, but... um it wasn't easy at first. How was it for you? Was it similar for you in a way? There's similarities in our stories, but I'm just so interested in like the tearing the fabric thing there as well. It's like tearing the fabric and I'm, I'm struck by the fact that Burning Bush doesn't have a hem uh, <laughs> <laughs> on anything. Right? There is no hem. Burning Bush is a mess. <laughs> um, so Burning Bush, just as a reminder, is the drag alter ego of Neil. Or maybe maybe Neil's the the, the uh, real world alter ego of Burning Bush. Well, <laughs> that's a good way of looking at well, it. Well, Burning Bush. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Duncan's like performances are very cerebral and surreal. Also, quite cathartic and sort of what's the word? I mean, he's a really good dancer. I think they're kind of like you know psychosexual in a way. It's like magic yeah. what you do. I think what I do is more like emotionally like raw. Like Burning Bush. Oh. Burning Bush will sing a song which can bring a tear to the eye. You know, because I'm quite. Mm-hmm ultimately quite emotionally intense and that's what I want to get get across mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. emotionally raw and intense mm-hmm. and you're quite cerebral and sexy oh well no I wouldn't say so I mean, it's like a psych- psychosexual psychosexual so I mean like almost like that has an element of, of sexuality in the performance shamanic, which is also quite disturbing shamanic. perhaps <laughs> <laughs> so yeah we have like, like magic rituals and sort of strange it's quite ritualistic. Yeah. And he's very good yeah. at collecting young, beautiful mm-hmm. people to be sort of like, you know, male or female to be sort of backing people. I mean, you are a bit of a, a sort of a mogul in that sense, aren't you? He goes around like collecting people. Oh, I'm often collecting people, yeah. Not in a sort of abusive way, in a very, <laughs> in a very nice way. You know, you know like he'll, he, he picks, he's an absolutely brilliant casting agent. We recruit, I always would look just meet, the, just happens you know, to meet all these people. Catch people my eye. And he <laughs> brings them into performances or into the film. So, like, yeah. the, the eventual film that you're in is going to be this. Fantastic tapestry of like different people, people that he's yeah. met, yeah, through and with Yukira and like and brought into the fray type thing. It's gonna yeah. be, it's gonna be really yeah. funny. Vanny Bush is a lot more, ah. um, like lonely, it's sort like of. a black hole in the strange kind of way, isn't it? Isn't it funny? Because oh, it's so interesting you should be saying this because, like, when Yukiro invited me, I was like, How, what, how is, what? but then uh, oh, I was no. like, Oh, he, he sees. He sees the he sees beyond the veils. <laughs> you're really, you're really good in it. Yeah, yeah. You're really. I, but like, how did he ca- catch that? Like, so I interviewed him, and obviously, you know, that something's kind of shining through, or oh, definitely, yeah, some things. No, I don't know. Shining, but I don't mean shiny, shiny. But what I mean is like grotesque. Is leaking out. I don't think shining would be the right word. I think <laughs> leaking. Something's uh, no, leaking. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, 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 absolutely, kidding. You know, you're just. Shining oh yes kindred <laughs> kindred and something i'm struck by and, and you know just talking to you now is and you've said this to me before as well is just how wonderful your relationship is and i think this is not word for word but like i think that neil said something to me like uh something about conventional relationships or getting married or something like that i just see so many unhappy people and we're so happy 
And so I have such a great relationship. And I just wondered if you wanted to say anything about that, because I see it and I just like, I'm yeah, literally fascinated by it. Well, we're going to have an argument later because he's, he'll, he'll be in with the way. So like, look, you can see. Yeah. <laughs> this will be saved for later. So it's not all, it's not all like a, a rose garden all the time. No, no, of course not. Nobody yeah, is. We're polar opposites. Mm. But the interesting point is, I would say, is that we, we have a very similar uh, way of living in, in the sense that, you know, like, we both live in this dream space and, you know, we, we really encourage each other. So like, you know, yeah. on a weekend or a day off, it's like you wake up, read the paper with the cat there, have some coffee for a while, have a long breakfast, dance around the kitchen a bit maybe. And then mm-hmm. where we are now, and then we, we, we sort of naturally drift into our own space. Like I'm writing, he's editing and writing and we're doing whatever. Um, and there's no sense of like, what are you doing? You know, wasting your day. That's what we both want to do. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, we mm. our, our sort of way of living is the same, but emotionally we're complete opposites. Yeah. So, like, um, that's a, a sort of magnet, I think. I think that's a necessary necessary factor, really, because um, you know, uh, I like that kind of spark. Uh, I'm always drawn to people who who are quite yeah. fiery and he's not into wits outrageous, you know. <laughs> and um, yeah, I yeah. have really boring passive friends. Oh, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> no, no, no. no. But you see, like, you're drawn to fiery people. Well, I am. What yeah. am I drawn to? Oh, like, oh. Slugs. Yeah, slugs. <laughs> no, calm. Kind of calm. Yeah, I, you're, you're drawn to calm, really. I don't come from a place of calm in my life, so therefore mm. that's why I need this kind of refuge of someone who's... Uh, mm. Duncan really can't be down. I think Casey's like that for you, isn't he? Anyway. To some degree. That's my impression. Of, uh, yeah, to some degree. Yeah, to some degree. I th- Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, it's very easy for anybody to look at our two couples together and be like, okay, that's the Neil and that's the Case Neil. That's the Duncan and that's the Neil. And I, you know, even just earlier on when you were talking, I was like, I see a lot of similarities between you and I, Neil, in that way, in that kind of emotional intensity as well. But yeah, I think I think you've, you've, you've hit on something there because I look at us and go, how is that even working? We've been together for almost 20 years now, right? So even just looking at us, it's like, how does that happen? You know, it's like, I'm like a full head taller than him. And, and I love the word encourage, but the way that I interpret the word, en- word encourage between the two of you is, you know, like when your mom used to say to me, don't encourage him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is the bad point, actually. No, but I like that. It's like, I mean, you encourage him, do really encourage him. You've got two decadent hedonists. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. It's like, if we're out of, you know, the junk shops, you know, the, Oh, I think I need this. Oh, I think I need that. Oh, and then, oh, 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 but one person's not trying to stop the other one. It's like, you know, the money gets spent and it it can be dangerous, can be dangerous yeah, financially, yeah. or it can be, you know, there's not one person saying, don't have another drink. It's like you keep pouring it, you know, because you're both similar. There's not one, mm-hmm. there's not one temperate person who's like trying to stop the other one. We both... Okay, there ends the similarity. Because uh, <laughs> yeah, Casey yeah. would be like, stop it, you're too drunk. <laughs> We're we like both, we want, ex- you know, like, intense experiences mm. and so we kind of but each other in that direction and uh you know what do you think gorgeous gorgeous so talking of intense experiences then i wanted to come back to talk about the tokyo closet ball and how you said you'd found community there and also your kind of love not love hate but your hate relationship with the word queer as well so i just wanted to kind of come back to those two things because i see that as a very kind of queer collective but I'm really interested in in the in the syntax of all of this and the feelings behind it. Shall I start with my thing on the cube? Okay. Okay. I mean, am I going to be cancelled for this? I don't know. I'm scared of cancellation. 
Oh, are you? Because, you know, the word queer is the word which is used. I don't know how many people listen to this that's going to make any <laughs> difference to you. <laughs> <laughs> but but if you're uncomfortable no, with no, it, no, no, no. I want to talk about it. I'm just saying that, you know, I wonder like, what the reaction would be from people. Well, this is your this is your opinion. Yeah. So I'm happy to be to be in, in a queer collective or part of that community. But I don't personally see myself as the Q word. I don't probably because I grew up in quite a uh, homophobic environment, a right wing environment. Yeah. And that word Oh yes, yeah, Soli Hall's proper conservative, isn't it? That word was being bandied about all the time as you know there's an insult in the same way the n-word has been appropriated but i haven't managed to appropriate it myself perfectly i have to admit either because it's like you can say it's internalized and food but i don't like the sound of the word itself the actual word isn't appealing to me like i was saying to you on it if it was like uh no no bender or even like even like one of those other insulting words that, that, that just sounds better to me i just don't like the actual sound of the word queer i don't know that word Q U E E R. It doesn't aesthetically doesn't mm-hmm. appeal to me, and so I personally, even though like theoretically I understand the what it, it you know includes all kinds of different people, different gender ident- identities, etc. I, I I'm still fine with gay. Duncan's, but gay is boring as well. I don't like that word either. I don't I don't like any word mm-hmm. for it. I just, yeah. In a way, it's no one's business. It's just like you know, I am what I am, and I'm, uh, I don't yeah. need a label for anything. And you know, I'm not. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but Duncan is more happy with that. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'm quite happy to be view myself and and my performance as queer. I, I find it fine. I identify with it. I don't identify with gay as much, um, because I, I find queer more inclusive of all different kinds of gender and different kinds of lifestyle and different. Yeah. So for me, it's I, I like it. So we have a difference. But if I'm going to go into into the real nitty gritty for me. The biggest difference between us two is, I would say, if I'm allowed to say this, yep. is that I was, you know, in the closet from like the age of, say, seven or eight, like mm. like George Michael in that kind of tortured, tortured kind of Andy Warhol kind of way. You know, like since a little priest and little boy, um, terrified and in the closet and being, you know, hearing all this violent language around me all the time. Duncan, well, from what I understand, was a lot more like untroubled through his like childhood and then gradually sort of blossomed into his sexuality around the university stage. Mm. So he doesn't have that kind of trauma at the centre of his existence that I do, I don't think. And no. I, I am based mm. on trauma in a way. Which I'm, I, I mean, and from that I write beautiful things or I, I try to get it out with, uh, <laughs> or I try to get it out with, uh, like, dark mm. performances or whatever. I think that's one key difference between us. Definitely. Like, Duncan's got, like, a more untroubled backdrop. I'm not saying that there isn't going to be no, no. no. It's what I mean. It's a very different, yeah, no, no, it's different no. emotional trajectory. Very different. Oh my god! So the mm. the whole like the keyword thing is is connected to that as well. I think because yeah, I'm coming from a different place with it, so mm. I, I can't mm. just like yeah, I'm this. I just don't. I can't. It's, it's just not yeah. easy for me. Yeah, you know what I mean. Sure, I think that's beautifully, beautifully put. Actually, Neil, I really appreciate you articulating that in a way. It reminds me of, um, I was talking to my brother-in-law, my brother's husband. He was talking similarly, like say, my brother told us that he was with his husband when he was 41. (laughs) Okay. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So um, there's a conversation we'll have offline sometime. But what my brother's husband said to me was like, he said, Sarah, you have to remember this. 
I came out of the womb like this. Hey! (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kind of, you know, obviously in Japan, it's a bit different because there's so many ways to be tacitly who you are, right? Yes. So, you know, like you've probably worked, oh, well, I don't know if you've ever worked with any salary men before, but, you know, there's the salary man. And then every now and then you'll see the undercut. Oh, yeah. They're in a punk band on the weekend. Yeah, I know. Yes, yes. But, but they don't have to live that every day. There's that kind of switch, mm-hmm. and I think that's why my brother-in-law moved to the UK. But it's so it it just kind of reminds me of that a little bit. That kind of absolute comfort and knowledge that mm-hmm. he had from the start. So it's mm-hmm. it's not the same, but understood untroubled backdrop. I, that's really interesting. Um, I don't know if you've got anything to add to that, Duncan. Yeah. It's it's very kind of minimizing in ways. No, oh, Duncan's not always got a problem, but I mean, do we just oh. coming? From- oh no. Yes. No, that's no, not what I think I'm my, well, yeah, mm-hmm. my words mm-hmm. might minimize him and make him act. Mm-hmm. That's not what I'm hearing at all. Really? Why? No, uh, I mean, I, I think, uh, and obviously the way our, our, our families process emotion is just totally different, isn't it? I mean, you, Neil's family is a lot more volcanic and right. volatile. Everything is just there, you know, whereas um, my family kind of more private in, in, in that way, I guess. There is emotion and my mum is quite emotional person. But it's, it's handled in a very, very different way, I think. Um, and so that has given Neil a kind of like, you know, fight or flight trauma. Yeah, yeah. Right, and that's what trauma sort of is. Thing. Whereas yeah. that, I think, I think for me, I, I'm a kind of person who, when I was growing up, I, I did feel, I did in a sense feel different, I think, to, to a lot of the kids at school because my interests were quite different. I was quiet and studious and I was reading, you know, books about history and art history and stuff like that. And I didn't have that many people I had much in common with. But I was very, I was very much in love with the things I loved, you know, and that that gave me a lot of inspiration. And I think I developed this kind of like walled off guard. It's almost like I'm in a walled garden with this this kind of calm, which gives me a lot of distance, I think. Honestly, Um, it's like you're in like a... Down in yeah. the, even now he just retreats into his vault. He's got he's got these like thick, thick, thick which is protective. Thick. I think is a very protective thing. I, I'm just, a, we call it boundaries in coaching, and they're very useful. Yeah, well, I, we've got no boundaries. It's just yes, yes. I'm just a porous sponge, and everything osmoses in and out, and I've got no protection against it. And all I can do is process it. So like, whereas Duncan can literally just be. Sometimes he's so spaced out. It's like. Duncan, it takes. <laughs> no, I'm not. But I was even no, worse when I was growing up. Famous. I mean, my parent, my parents were like. It's like a minute uh, later. Whoa! Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Duncan. I'm almost like Duncan. Duncan. <laughs> it's going this slowly towards your. Yeah, brain. I did. Mean, you know, penetrating the. Uh, very. I was. Oh, <laughs> You know, it's, I mean, my 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 mum always said I was like an absent-minded professor when I was, you know, teenager. He's not so, listening. Yeah. He's inside his own little little dungeon, I, 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 inside my thing. Yeah. You can just close off. So tell us more about the closet ball then. Thank you for telling us about that kind of repulsion to these labels that we were insults for you. When I use the word queer, I use it with the Q word, if if you like. I use it with a small Q to, to describe people who live outside the bell curve, people who live their lives in many different versions and ways. Yeah. Outside polite society, if you like. But oh, and all sometimes inside it, but so very, very I mean, mm-hmm. I mean. Um, I didn't even want to see burning bush. Duncan is, is a big instigator in my life. He's the one that pushed me to start writing a blog because I had like a. I set it up. Yeah, yeah, for you. Because I had literary... you're like his manager, kind of. <laughs> well, I had literary, a literary agent, and I was signed up with a literary agent in London, and I, I put forward my my book idea at that time. But um, I had zero online presence. No one knew who I was. So 
so I had to stop you know, going online and um, and then through writing, like I, the publishing deal and everything, and the same thing happened with uh, with the. So I said, well, we started get, hanging out with these people, mm-hmm. and we loved it straight away. And then Duncan said, "You should do it." One day we're standing in the bus at the bus stop, and he said, "I think you should do it." I thought, "No, I don't think so." You know, you can play and sing. Why not do it? Um, and so, well, first I said, uh, "How about doing something called uh, Bait Kush?" Because I love Kate Bush. And so, uh, no. Burning Bush. Uh, Burning Bush. Oh my God! Because Burning, yeah, Burning Bush, Burning Bush has more, so many possible um, like meanings. Yeah, and, and then that was one. I, Amazing. I did it on my birthday, one like whenever it was. That year, and it was completely like I cannot tell you how. I mean, I I didn't even know what it means for me yet, but I I felt just like exploded into the stars, and 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 I was like part of the ether after that. But it's it really was an incredibly important moment for me. And I mean, um, a lot mm. of our close friends, for example, um, you know, Dishwatsafrau, um, Yukiro, Yukiro. and also um, Michael, who's Belgium Solanus. Absolutely embraced burning, absolutely loved burning yeah. bush, and were always, oh god, you know, this is just like come out fully formed. You know, it was like it's an it, 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 it just really she, it's an it, yeah, it's, it's an it. it. It's like it's a in drag it. creature, drag, drag creature. As you heard, Duncan was like, you know, he was there from the very first closet ball, and it could not have felt more naturally doing that. It was just I was I was taken into like a, a like a, a magic zone. But honestly, it was like yeah, it was uncanny. Yeah, yeah, it really clicked. Um, it was like a silent movie. That was the. It was so weird. It, it was um, something which I always wanted. I always had this. I I always had this image of um, the, like I said, the dance of seven veils backwards. And I thought that's that's to me that's more like life, isn't it? Like you're born naked and then you just get all these veils put on you, type of thing. You know, I just had this idea of these uh, assistants firing guns and me running across the stage and just putting a layer on and then then running across the stage and putting a layer on and and it was like this rapid fire thing combined with a um, silent movie and um, with, um, you know, intertitles, which they brought on and stuff like that. And, and I ended up, um, I involved Tatiana, who's, who was the head on the platter. We we snogged and um, then I, below me, her, um, basically stitched her head back on (laughs) Um, so it was like, that was really funny, um, but it was that the, the, the title was, I mean, it's quite it was ridiculous because the title was um, something like um, Tatiana Gives Head, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so, all these lots of different elements <laughs> came together, and so I ended up with her like with her lap, you know, her with her head in my lap on the sofa, me stitching, disgusting, and 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 it, but everybody really loved it, and, and so I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> since yeah. then, he since then, he has it's I amazing. I mean, he's. The second one thing finishes, already you can get the next one. Like, I, mean, he's, I mean, already tomorrow I've got uh, something coming up, you know, I've got... Um, he's, he's always doing something. Uh, always, so, always. It's amazing. And I like the way you just report that as well. You just report that as if, like, you know, I've listened to a million different business people telling me their, like, you know, their, their strate- strategies. You just you just tell me that, like, yeah, so it was like I was running across the stage and somebody was firing a gun and then their head was in my lap. And like, <laughs> yeah. And that's my quarterly report. Thank you. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, well, it is a normal day. Yeah. <laughs> and I want to work in your office. <laughs> um, absolutely terrific. I was going to say about the um, back closet ball because I think, um, you know, te- hats off to um, Taylor. Taylor, hats off to Taylor yeah. because he has, 
and he's kept it going for so many years and it's yeah. been it's really been influential actually because of uh, because of that other people have started similar sort of cabarets yeah his his person is tatiana lee and totally open to all different kinds yes, of acts say. so yeah. there's burlesque there's comedy there's uh stand-up comedy there's like um performance art there's music there's uh, I drag mean, and it's open to any shape, body, size, gender. I mean, there's it, absolutely it's no. like mainly biological females. It's like wow. Yeah, bio even... queens. So you know, it's, bio queen is is a, a female. Have, like a new queen. person, a new person. But it also sounds like regular women, like anyone doing it. Um, any body shape. Doesn't, there's no body fascism. It's like it's it's very very open, and that's I mean, been a, that's been a, a real great strength. Sometimes it's a mess, but the mess is the strength. Someone's as well. you know you know today is someone's in their first performance. You know? Yeah, good. Well done, love. You know that was quite nice, but at the same time, it's very fresh because it's not like it's not like. I mean, I love uh, keeps RuPaul, it fresh, yeah. But sometimes Nepal and Drag Race, etc. But it's all it you love what? Sorry, perfect. It can just be anything. Anyone can do it, and know? I think yeah. I think that's really I like that helped. I mean, I would literally say that Taylor has really opened a lot of different scenes to each other. So, for example, he's involved in the theatre scene. And, that's true, actually. Uh, you know, and also the comedy mm-hmm. scene and the drag scene. So he he works for um, volunteers for Yokohama Theatre, and he also does stand up comedy sometimes, and obviously drag. So he that automatically has brought loads of people in, and you just meet nice people, interesting community, and you do nice things, you know, and you don't give a shit because <laughs> you know. <laughs> I still give a shit. The other one thing I wanted to mention about Burning Bush and wanted to ask you about Neil is. One of the performances I watched, you were singing the most beautiful song and playing the most beautiful piano. And this is, it gave me some cognitive dissonance because Burning Bush is so grotesque. So I'd expect her to be like, something like that. But actually, no, you sit down and do this beautiful kind of piano performance. I love, I love cognitive dissonance. Of course. And if you were just sitting there in a suit playing the piano, that's one thing that's perfectly viable. But the fact that this this grotesque drag creature doing this kind of beautiful melodic, like, you know, piano performance with voice as well was so wild to me. Tell me more about that. Tell me more about your piano playing as well. Well, I mean, like, um, <laughs> we'll wrap up soon don't worry we're, we're already over no i love it um i have a musician friend called julianne who's like he's, he's brilliant he's got a, a deal with universal music ever she was doing a phd in um in in music theory and one of her projects was about people who needed need a stage persona in order to be able to properly perform interesting and, and she was interested, you know, in the psychodynamics of how a person feels just, you know, as themselves, like, like you were saying, the man in the suit and how it changes when you put in the costume. And it definitely, like for me, I think people don't want to see a man in the suit. Like, they don't want to see me. Well, not at the closet ball. <laughs> no, and, no, honestly, the difference between what, what I found is that just two minutes, just shove on a wig, shove on whatever you're wearing, a bit of like greased paint, like Robert Smith makeup and people's perception of you is so so changed that you can actually it's like um, do what you want it's really transforming and it allows you to like explore different identities and um so like you say um i you know i can play the piano I, when i was a kid that was kind of what I was you know possibly going going to be in the future you know, he's, he's going to be a musician yeah, he's you know i was playing the piano and the flute but i'm not good enough really i wasn't committed enough and i I didn't have the actual ability to become a professional, so it, but I can still play. Yeah. And um, 
I like you say, I like that kind of slightly square squares playing bar, but at the same time, it's just like that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not, not not what people expect from a someone at a drag pool. So I like that kind of um, like you say, it is cognitive dissonance in a way. Like it's unexpected. Love it. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, I'm putting mine there. I mean, this is uh, Elton John or Liberati who have those personas that they put on. No, I'm not comparing. Please, please believe me. I don't think you like those, but like they, they both had this costume, right? That allowed them to. I think Stephanie Gemma, not to turn into Lady Gaga, but I mean, obviously, and and not, and her too. I think she's like a sort of depressive, uh, sensitive, like um, multifaceted person, and it's just you know she turns into this ridiculous person. Or even see her, see her, the no, artist. She's hiding away. Isn't yeah, she? she's but, hiding. But yeah. but it allows her to be that's true. all that stuff. That's true. But with Sia, isn't it more a question of like she doesn't like how she looks? I don't think so. No, I think she doesn't like the idea of being. It's something to do with allowing the music to be it without her having to be it. Something like that is what I read anyway. Something like that. But it also, I suppose, it allows because I know I like. I've done workshops with masks and stuff like that. And I made a mask and it was really grotesque. Oh, so to allow this persona to come through. So uh, my mask is really grim. I wasn't expecting it to be. And I think, again, I think people were probably expecting it to be all sparkles and bit, 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 but it's really, really, it's got skulls on it and it's, it's downstairs. I'll, I'll take a photograph of it and show it to you. But the persona that came out was this absolute bastard called the Don like that. (laughs) <laughs> when I was wearing the mask and I was like, oh, bollocks, I was hoping for something nice. <laughs> but actually, I just wanted... But then, from then on, I was like, okay, then on the Tony's crown of Tokyo, fine. That's that's If that's who I am, then that's what, the way I'm going to try and influence, like get myself into this company here, that company there, and just see what happens. This committee here, this thing here. Yeah, so the Don... <laughs> led me to, 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 to something else i walk amongst them <laughs> what was the result of the of the the meeting you haven't been in a mask like that. what happened how did it change things well i wasn't leading that workshop i was a participant but it, it just brought through this episode this really like in charge commanding boss like uh rude in your face persona. like it brought out like proper some proper Liverpool kind of stuff that I keep down so much because I'm a lot like you Neil and I have a lot of intense emotions about things but like I add to that being a a visibly womany woman in the world and uh, there's a lot of things that just need to be done to how did you feel after the after after you'd done that and you you took the mask off a bit ashamed did you oh yeah why oh liberated good good question liberated I was liberated but I was also like well I'm a coach right so I'm looking at things with curiosity all the time like what's that part of myself that I'm keeping down in daily life which is probably making me sick or you know giving me backache or neckache or whatever it is that like I'm trying to hold down and it was just that acknowledgement of that super I don't even know if I call it shadow side, but that boss side, that real boss side. So I felt a bit ashamed, a bit sad, because what I really wanted was somebody nice to come through so everybody could see how, even though I look like a bit of a bastard up front, I'm actually really nice. But like, you know, um, none of that was true. (laughs) 
That's how people aren't thinking about you that much ever. Yeah. And <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. So yeah. there you go. So if it didn't take so much of my kind of energetic. Uh, social energy i'd love to get more involved in this kind of stuff i think you know oh yeah yeah more of the id to come out the ego so that's why i loved being in your film oh yeah yeah so, oh, i'll have to think of some more roles for you <laughs> really loved yeah, yeah. that loved mm. just that and just being around that whole scenario was so so great but i also you know my, my goal in life is basically just to sit in my window looking at flowers and being in that liminal space that, that you, you described yeah, earlier yeah so tell me about the film then how did that come about and like let's let's kind of close out because we're getting close to uh we're getting well over time but um tell me about your film what and when when's it going to be coming out it's a, it's a comedy called spoiled identity and we're we're like i would say 96 percent filmed uh, and about 80% edited in a preliminary way. So we're hoping, like, maybe summer or autumn, it, we would show it, basically. And, and we'll do, like, a showing, you, you know, initially just a free showing for all the participants and everything. And so it's quite nuts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's very um, incomprehensible. We've still, we still got quite a lot of work to do, but we, we're both getting back, probably back into it, because it was a little bit, you know, it was hard during the pandemic to... We hadn't finished. Yeah, you lose momentum, don't you? You lose momentum, yeah. So um, basically, um, it's only in the last month or so that we've really got back into it. You talk about what it, it's called, spoiled identity. School spoiled identity, yeah. and it's playing. Yeah. It's like opposing ideological camps, like PC, non-PC, and like, well, it's opposing dogma. It's making, really, it's dogma, making fun of a whole lot of things we just need to make fun of. I think. So I, I think really it's sort of like um, two two rival factions in a school. But I, I won't give too much away. But it's two. Factions in a school. It's very irreverent. It com- coming to a final real Well, something, there's something about the two factions that neither of the factions know, which is kind of revealed at the end. But it's, yeah, it's quite irreverent. Um, and it's, it's really irreverent. It's a little bit to do with different ways of living, obviously, um, and to do with Japan and, and foreign um, people in Japan as well. It's to do with that kind of all kinds of different things. Yeah. But it's like a. It's hilarious. I mean, Old school. Him and you, Kira, together <laughs> write the most. I mean, your bit's absolutely hilarious. I'm pissing myself watching it, to be honest. It's really <laughs> funny. Is that my sister coming in the cloaca? It's, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was, yes, that's only more in Lancashire than Liverpool. Sorry, but it's, favorite it's, it's, thing was watching really me. My, my husband has a little cameo he, in it. Oh, he was great. He's great. Yeah, yeah he's great. Uh, that works a treat. I love I mean, it. wearing he, that train yeah. cap. And he's, yeah, so imagine Serious. It's very. But the problem is, it's funny. funny I just funny. It's hilarious. So, so no one's going to hear anything because they'll be laughing all the way through. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we shall look forward to that. And is there any any uh, hints of a new perfume book coming out? Are you, are you in the throes of writing another book or are you focused on the blog? And you know? I, I've written for like Japan Vogue like a few times, which is quite exciting. Lovely. Continuing with my, but I, my next book is about Japan. So like the perfume one was a kind of prelude. I want this next book to be a lot more like scandalous, shocking, quite more emotive and more personal. And it's a memoir, isn't it? It's a, my memoir of my time in Japan. It's also about Chavez, about all, all, all kinds of stuff. Well, it's about all kinds of things. I think it's about, I thought it was going to be about just Japan initially, but it's a kind of problematic area of white man sits and, you know, pontificates about Japanese society. Yes. So I think it's better to do it more like from a personal angle. Not just problematic, it's also a bit boring. Go, go into any British pub and 
Yeah, you're right. So eavesdrop. Do you know what I mean? Like any any British pub in Japan and eavesdrop. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. But what we've, what we've been talking about today, you know, all the closet wall, and I mean, the word coming out irritates me for a million reasons. I know, but, I know. But in a way, it has been like a coming out the last few years, like, like a creative coming out. And I want that to be the kind of focus of the book, like moving towards the sort of uh, underground and uh, closet wall scene in, in Tokyo. So that's the book I'm, I've started writing. Mm-hmm. So, emerging is another word that one can use instead of coming out. Like, so yeah. all this new energy is emerging in this new being revealed and so on. I think so it'll ultimately be a positive, positive, very positive book, but it, it, I'm not going to shy away from talking about the dark stuff either. No, no, absolutely not. And I, and I actually really enjoy the way that you talk about that. It doesn't gall me in the same way that it would somebody else because there's such a there's a deep authenticity about the way you write. You're not trying to sugarcoat anything for anybody. And absolutely. So when I see you complaining about something online or something like that, I just, I know it's you processing it through your word, written words. I know that you've thought about it as well. It's not just some cliche <laughs> vomit of Japan is so X, Y, and Z. And you know, it's it's quite specific to you, the stuff that you complain about. It's when you're aware of that. And then, you know, people can join the pile on if they want to. The only reason I don't is because I find the book, the, the stuff that happens in between more interesting. Like, why is that? What's the reason for that? You know, so, yeah. So I close out with this question for everybody. There are many ways to lead a life. I, I feel like this whole podcast has been like that. There are many ways to lead a life. What does that mean to you? Well, when I read that quote of yours, I, I really like, I clapped because I sort of, that's, that encapsulates how I feel as well. I mean, when I'm teaching, for example, I the one thing I do like about teaching is the fact that I can um, encourage people to be you know, their individual selves and to think in different ways. Yeah. All quote, there are many ways to lead a life. It really, it means a lot to me. I think that's the, the ultimate wisdom in this world is to accept that as, as a reality and not try to impose some kind of oppressive like stricture on anybody. And so I would say, yeah, rather to that way of thinking. Also... Like in terms of identities, like, uh, you know, I'm Neil Chapman, I'm Mr. Chapman at work. Mm-hmm. I'm Black Narcissus when I'm being in my poetic mode. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm Burning Bush as well. And um, even even one person within those yes. ways of living lives can, can have different. I mean, it can seem schizoid, but I don't think it necessarily is. It's just different ways of expressing mm-hmm. yourself. And I think. The more of that, the better, basically. I don't think that's schizoid at all. I think what you know? brings it, not at all, because when you bring it to mind as a as a woman, we have to go through loads of different identities just in, in the normal bandwidth of life. So I've been Sarah Everett, and now I'm Sarah Faruya. So anyway, but I, I love that, the idea that we can have lots of different identities where we, where we want to. And spoiled identity. So let's move over to the direction yes, of spoiled yeah. identity. <laughs> there are many ways. I to mean, I, yeah. I mean, I was thinking along exactly the same lines of, of you know, be be yourself, but, be yourself, but also like you know, either you have multiple selves and multiple identities, and there isn't just one. So, and, and for me, that's a, a you know metaphor for diversity and and healthy society, which is a diverse society. You know, it's not like as we see now, some dreadful, moronic, toddler authoritarianism, you know, creeping back in, putting one stamp on 
people uh, and society and and how that is not healthy that's not it's not healthy of uh, living and so yeah I, I think diversity and it is the way to go <laughs> and my- i agree it's such a loaded gun that it, it, i i mean because i because i move through the middle of the bell curve a lot of my business is through there but i'm trying to make things more and I think that you've just hit on something here, which is diversity equals a healthy society across the board. And yeah, that is yeah, absolutely. Not, not everyone feels that. Do. Pardon me? Not everybody feels that. No, no feels absolutely that. So not. not. And, uh, it's an ongoing, you know, it's an ongoing battle and issue. And... But like I said earlier, once you've mm. exploded out the box, you can't be put back in again. It's, it's the same with civil rights. It's the same with any kind of, like, emerging and, like, not expressing. Mm. You can't be... It's physically impossible to press it back into the box. It's like, so I, I think there's sort of self determination. I mean, self determination, personal. No, but it takes a lot of it. It takes a lot of energy. I think that self determination and that kind of constantly having to kind of educate. I mean, here's how far into the bell curve I go. Like having curly hair goes against me sometimes. What do you mean? Well, because if I had straight blonde hair like that i would be taken more seriously in the world <laughs> fuck that that's, um, that's oh, oh absolutely fuck yeah. that because Very let the racism of that just settle in right yeah i love, I love your hair i, I want to. yeah i mean but you know like because i've even had like at least two clients who are in high level positions women say to me oh you know if i started my own business i could stop straightening my hair and i was like what you know and they said no genuinely I would be taken less seriously if I came in with cat wild curly hair and I was like, Oh my God. Wow. That's, that's how deep, and they were white women. That's how deep the one wish to homogenize ethnicity goes. Um, that's, and that's not in Japan. That's in American companies, by the way. So, I mean, a su- surprise, America's a little bit racist, but, um, Oh my God, I'm going to get canceled. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> anyway but um yes yeah, so there you go that's why i think it's so important to to say there's many ways to lead a life because it's a healthy thing it's healthy for people and so there you go love it gentlemen thank you so gentle grotesques yeah. <laughs> thank you so much. what an amazing amazing conversation we've had it's gone on for so long i'm just here to have really interesting conversations with people and talk to people who are legends and i take legend to be that the, the myth or the legends where we tell these stories and they may or not, these fantastical stories and they may or may not be true. How is it true? I know they're all true. They're all true. But in a retelling, they could be told. <laughs> That's the legend. That's the legend. And you guys are absolute legends of the, of I mean, the like, closet ball scene here. And everything. I think so. To me, you're absolutely legendary. Uh, uh, utterly legendary. Wow. Utterly. Thank you for having us. So where can we find you? Um, I have, have here that uh, Neil is at theblacknarcissist.com yeah, or at Perfume right. by Neil Chapman. The Black Narcissist is, is my sort of, okay. it's like a, a, almost a diary through the portal of perfume. So I'm like, hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm reviewing new perfumes, vintage perfumes, just things to do with smell and connecting that with politics and everyday life. And I can't stop doing it. I wake up in the morning, just I have to rush to the computer. I mean, I absolutely adore it. 100%. It's my life's work. I love the masks. Mm. And the book is, it's in Kinnikinirian. Is it? Yeah, in Shinjuku. You can actually, I, I, I was, oh my God, my book's here. It's in Harrods. It's in uh, 
I think it's in most Waterstones in the UK. Yes. And it's on, you know, you can get it online. Uh, Where's the best place for us to buy this? I mean, I'm happy to buy it from Amazon because it Amazon supports right. people's yeah. books. Probably the easiest. I time, think so, yeah. But, you can... but if most physically yeah. buy it in like, you know, going with Shinjuku and going and, you know, buy a bookstore. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, there's like something that. about yeah. that, isn't there? I really enjoyed the experience of doing it. I mean, it was it was a, it was a it was an intense experience, but it was. A, I mean, it's phenomenal. I can't even imagine. You know what though? Like when it arrived in the post, right? We didn't know. I didn't know that it had this gold. <gasps> the, the pages were interesting gold because I all I'd seen were like a flat, a flat, mm. a flat. Um, oh no! It's illustration, right? And it kept, I did a good job. Like, <gasps> we just like, oh my god! Oh, my god, oh, my god. oh it's just it's it's a work of art. My parents went to bed with it when they first got it. They were so excited. <laughs> they were really, 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 really sweet. Um, uh, here's another funny thing. One of my coaching groups, my closed coaching groups, I had about like 18 people in there who, who were all in a one-year program with me. And somebody was talking about how they just bought themselves some new perfume and how they were loving, it was an upgrade month, and how they were loving well, upgrading they, yeah. their perfume. And two of us secretly sent her this book in the post. Oh, <laughs> so she received copies of it isn't that funny and then she was able to hand on one of the copies which was such a, it was such a hilarious exchange so because my other friend sarah bull has um purchased this and she loves it she? as well oh, yeah nice. absolutely loves it and she sent it to her mom and you know it gets that kind of momentum going yeah, um, and duncan where can we find you i can't believe i'm, I'm yeah. just sitting here going i've got an, a published author and a soon-to-be a director launched director writer and director of a short a lot of my shorts and will be spoiled that identity too but um on my vimeo uh on my vimeo channel which is dihoom yeah yes w-h-o-m and at dihoom yeah (laughs) so that's amazing and um i i strongly encourage you to go over and look at his videos they are absolutely enchanting and wild and bonkers. That one, um, that one film there where you are by the ghost tunnel. I love that one. You know, Bernie Bush. <gasps> the ghost tunnel. Yeah. That was good, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah it was like it was, oh, so good. And I also love the one in Kuru Kuru, which is our yeah, local yeah. Oh, that, was- that you introduced me to. And now I have all this weird glassware downstairs. <laughs> they have such the good stuff and so cheap. I love that. Kuru Kuru, they're so nice. Don't you love so that place? Nice. I absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just like it's like a swamp when it's raining. Yeah, well, you don't want to be in there in an earthquake. It's full of like it's just mosquitoes. Really, it's really old-fashioned chaos. It's a, but there's We're in heaven. That day was such a good synchronicity. We turned up the last time. Yeah. The last time I went in, I got this. Oh, we oh wow! Yeah, your nail polish. It's a really nice color. It's in brilliant condition. Three hundred years. What's the name of it? Oh, well, that's good color. Sienna. Yeah, yes. Cool. Yeah, they're not greedy at all. And they're very friendly. And when I was walking around like Ghost Gear, yeah, and Bigfoot, yeah. he was filming it. Like there, there were customers in there, just like and the flute guy, the flute, flute, flute guy was there playing the flute just by chance. Yeah. Shut the front door. I thought you were taking uh, him in. No, no. Who's there? All right, Duncan. Oh yeah. Hello. Come it was in. completely. It was such good timing. We we're like, oh my god. We Can you believe like, that? Oh, you know, I'm so glad we went on that day. And then I mean, we also the, the, the people with the gong. We got them as well. To the, we got them, and like I think Japan is like I mean, going against what we said earlier on about you know that being stiff and there's also very um, like a deep understanding. Is that or something? Yeah, of like a, well, like, like a respect for 
the artistic and also for oh yes I had a friend who was a graphic designer who said that she said she loves Japan because art is just part of everyday life everybody has that sensibility somehow yes part of everyday life deep down they know that everyone's got their their own weird quirky sides and think that um, when you're away from this official everyday office situation people correct that's why subcultures can can flourish and that you can wear what the hell you like and no one's ever going to say anything yes Burning Bush and Dean have never experienced a single like I've never had it's always been what's the Great, 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 great. We've never yes. experienced any. No one's beaten this up. No one's. No, no one's shouted any None of that aggression. None of that aggression. We can float through Tokyo, and all we get is like positive responses. You would not get yes. that in, in a European or an American place. You'd be, no, you'd be you would. Up. At some point, you'd so, reach. Maybe in Berlin. Oh, but even then, you might come across. No, and neo Nazis are always hanging around in the background in in, in uh, Berlin, but anywhere in Europe, in yeah. Japan, it's. It's ex- and just extreme. And I think we are lucky to be in Kamakura, Zushi, Hayama. This area, Kotsubo, this area. Nobody gives a Lovely. Shit. Nobody gives a shit. No, no. Nobody gives a shit because they live in paradise. Civilized. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you know what I mean? Like, who cares? Yeah. I've got my surfboard under my arm and I've got my wetsuit hanging up in the on the balcony. I don't care. Yeah, true. <laughs> you know? Yes, yeah. I've got better things to think do you about. Think, do you think? I agree. Yeah. So yes, we live in one of the most sacred towns in the world, probably, don't we? It's very like Kamakura is like uh, Kyoto, yeah, or uh, or Kyoto on sea, isn't it really? Kyoto, yeah, it is. Kyoto on sea. <laughs> <laughs> you brightened. <laughs> Zen resort. Zen resort. It's a Zen yeah. resort. What you were saying, about it's so it's so freaky because you can come. It's almost like you know, like uh, like Baywatch in the summer. Like, oh oh yeah, Shibuya. Yeah, Shibuya. Shibuya comes down. And so- I even love that. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I, love I wasn't that. expecting oh, to last year when the beach huts all came up and everybody's there in their bikinis. Me included with my big fat Pillsbury body. I don't care. Like I still feel sexy and juicy. So like all the beach huts are out and everybody's got their floaties and there's all the. Umbrellas and you rent the sunbed. I went onto the beach the other day and I was like, yeah, sunbeds, fifteen yeah. hundred yen. Yes, I'll have two and two umbrellas, please. You know, like you know, oh, it's just yeah. Great. Five minutes where you got like you know you got like sacred Buddhism. Like it's it's, it's a really it interesting is combination. I think a really yeah. interesting yeah. combination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're a little bit more inland <laughs> than me, I think, but uh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. I went for, With just the, out of interest, I went for a hike recently that started Higashi Sushi. There's a Buddha, like, I don't know how many metres high, 20 metres high, carved into, yeah. uh, into the oh, stone, oh, into I an old quarry. Oh, I've never been there. No. What's it like? Ooh, wow. Amazing. Huh. I wish you'd go there. And it's, only a, it's a gentle hike. I mean, you have to pull yourself up on a chain a couple of times over some rocks, but it's only for, like, 10 metres, you yeah, know? Yeah. Like, if I can do it, anybody can do it. So it's like... And then you get up there. There's loads of people doing rock climbing and stuff again. Like nobody gives a shit because they're rock climbing. And then there's just this gigantic Buddha carved into the rock. It's only fifty. Well, I want to try that. Great majors, us. Dorky chaps. Thank you so 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 much, Jane. Good luck with. Um, thank you very much to Jane Nakata from Pod Launch. She's our podcast manager. Thank you very much to Laura Marushima, who's my assistant, who does all the logistics and stuff for this and has dealt with all the logistics for you guys in the background. And um, thank you both, Dee Hoom and Neil Chapman, uh, authors, directors, 
grotesque drag queens. Features, <laughs> 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 I should say. Grotesque, beautiful, spiritual, morbid, incredible darlings whose deepest value is decay. (laughs) (laughs) It's been an absolute treasure to talk to you. So thank you so much. Thank you very Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this latest legend on the Sarah Furuya Legends podcast. Hop over to sarahfuruya.com where you can find the full complement of uh, Legends interviews and conversations. Also, you can like and subscribe over on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. I absolutely love these interviews and these conversations I have with these people. I don't care about subscribers, if I'm absolutely honest. It just helps to get more people over to listen to these fantastic people. I cannot wait for my next interview. I really hope you can get stuck in and find some juice and some delightful little nugget of knowledge or encouragement from these that will help you to create your story and to take your story forward and to weave and dream up and high dream your own story. Boyd up by the stories of these people. I would call them ordinary, they're not. But these people, these beautiful legends who I've selected to help you on your way and to help me on my way. So please enjoy, share, subscribe. My Facebook page is Sarah Furuya Coaching. My Instagram page is at Sarah Furuya Coaching too. So get into it. Thanks. Bye.